We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. To another edition of the Rotowire NBA podcast. It's Thursday, February 23rd. Nick Whalen here with Alex Barutha. Uh, Alex, we've, we've reached the end of the All Star break. Our, our long national nightmare is over. We went three days without NBA basketball Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, but a big nine game slate in the association on Thursday. We got eight games on Friday. We got seven games on Saturday. Uh, we, we, we now commence the uh, kind of like featured portion of the NBA schedule where they, they don't have to worry about football anymore we start to get those uh abc like sunday morning for a while there it felt like the celtics and heat were playing every sunday at like 12 30 uh back in the lebron days uh but it's it's officially crunch time in the nba and we preach this all the time whether we're talking about the league or talking about fantasy the all-star break is not the halfway point there are teams that have barely 20 games remaining the rest of the way yeah yeah and it's um it's really the stretch run like it's it's a lot of teams this is the point where phantom injuries start to come in and um you know i mean honestly both of us know this from covering the injury reports uh april is a hellscape in the nba the the nba may as well not even be the nba doesn't function like a normal league in april so uh, if you enjoy the nba you pretty much have exactly one month uh to enjoy basketball (laughs) and then there's about a two-week hiatus and then the playoffs start yeah, this is your one month warning to care about the NBA. Uh, yeah, I mean, the month of April is basically like a bunch of NFL week 18s stacked on top of each other where you're just like, what is going on here? Is this team trying to win? Are they trying to lose? Why is this guy playing? Why is this guy not playing? Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's it, it's by no means the halfway point. It's basically the two thirds point, but it, it might be even closer to like the five sevenths point with the way that uh, teams do treat those final few weeks. So we'll, we'll hit on a couple of news items. We covered basically all the injury news coming out of the break earlier this week. There's been a few updates there, but I think we hit most of that. Uh, so if you're, if you're looking for some fantasy updates, you can look back uh, at Tuesday's episode. And then we each have our list of the five most interesting teams 
for a variety of reasons the rest of the way. So looking forward to getting into that. The Atlanta Hawks, though, we, we need to start there. Uh, the only team that fired its coach over the All-Star break. <laughs> uh, were they the only team that should have fired their coach uh, during the All-Star break? I think that's like, a bigger I, question. Steven Silas, lucky to make it through. Uh, ap- I mean, honestly, yeah. Um, he absolutely is. Yeah, so I, I mean, it's just, it, this is one of those things that's been bubbling up all year, right? Um, the Hawks have been underperforming. There was stories, that story about Trey Young and, and Nate McMillan having sort of an argument after he didn't practice and then he wasn't allowed to play and no one kind of came out in defense of Trey Young. And, you know, this happened with Lloyd Pierce and, you know, um, I just don't know where they go from here. It sounds like they're really trying to hire Quinn Snyder. I I like Quinn Snyder. I think he's a pretty good coach. Um, but again, the things, you know, if things continue not to work out for Atlanta, you have to start asking some serious questions about like, what are we even doing here with Trey young and, and all these other guys? Um, even though, like, I think we, t- we talk about this all the time. Their, their individual collection of talent, I think is really nice. So I think it's fair that they have a coaching change. It's just, obviously you have to start to wonder how much of this is just individually, how much of this is just Trey young. I mean, this will be assuming they hire Quinn Snyder, by the way, which we, we should mention is seemingly going to happen. I, I have no idea when, like that was the, that was the word uh, coming down Thursday morning. I would imagine that he, uh, you know, is not in place to coach this team in time for tomorrow's game against the Cavs. Uh, but I, I, as far as I understand it, like they want to bring him in in season, right? I mean, this would be the rare outside hire and he would essentially coach like the final 20 games of the year. Yeah. That's what it sounds like that uh, they they, you know, Joe Prunty is the interim right now and they started the head coach search immediately. I mean, I think there's some urgency with them because, you know, I mean, the East is pretty tiered out, right. In terms of like, who's actually title contenders and who's kind of like playing to <laughs> playing to play against a title contender, but Atlanta probably thinks, Hey, if we hire the right guy, we're going to be in that mix. I, I don't believe them. I, I believe that they think <laughs> that, uh, this is a team that is 29 and 30. You know, I was telling Jeff on the radio the other day, I, the worst thing that happened to this team was making the Easter conference finals in 21, you know, taking advantage of some injury luck, getting to the East finals. And then all of a sudden deciding that that's the standard going forward. I think so. Um, yeah. I mean, there were, there were some sort of freak situations there that, that led to them. I mean, obviously the Ben Simmons, you know, kind of meltdown, which I think in hindsight, maybe like him being so bad in that series gets a little overblown in terms of like what led to Atlanta making, um, the Eastern conference finals, but at the same time, I mean, again, I think this team has the talent. So, but yeah, what, what, what did that do to the team's chemistry and their expectations and not taking the regular season seriously and, and that kind of stuff. Thank goodness. Giannis got healthy in that Eastern conference finals. I know. because we, we, we were not that far away from the Hawks going to the NBA finals. They, they it was two, two. Giannis is unbelievable, man. The way he recovered from, I thought it was over. When yeah. when that, I mean, I think, I think we forget about that almost in hindsight, like he recovered from that, what appeared to be a devastating knee injury to have a great series against the Suns and put up one of the best performances in, in finals history. But, um, I don't know. Do you believe, I mean, let's say they hire Quinn Snyder. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you like Quinn Snyder as a coach or I do. Okay. Do you think, I mean, do you think this is just like purely a coaching issue between the coach and Trey young. Like, what do you think is really happening here? 
Well, it's interesting because, you know, they said in the presser after they fired McMillan that, you know, we want to be a top 10 offense and a top 10 defense. Is it possible to be a top 10 defense with Trey Young? Well, that's what they were hoping, I think, by bringing in DeJounte Murray. Right. right? I think that was. I don't know if it's that simple. I don't know if it's that simple, but I don't know. I I actually think they have good defenders on the roster. And this was something I I think I pointed out at the beginning of the season. It's like, yeah, your your defense isn't going to be amazing, but you have DeJounte Murray, a backcourt disruptor. You have DeAndre Hunter, who's a very good wing defender, and Clint Capella, who's a good rim protector and defensive rebounder. And Okongwu, obviously, is a backup center, too. So you have that center's position completely covered. And, um, you know, they try to grab, like, Justin Holiday. He's just not really a guy right yeah. now. But um, I think it is possible for them now. Can they get higher than top 10? Like, <laughs> I don't think, like, five or six is possible. But could they conceivably be in the top one-third of defense? I think with those guys, yeah. sure. But it may also take some – on Trey Young's part, he might have to buy in a little bit more and um, adjust. Yeah, maybe it's not even about being in the top 10. It's just more about not being in the bottom 10 where they are right now. And I think the trade-off is, look, if we're going to be 21st in defense, we can't be in the middle of the league. We can't be 15th in offense. You know, like we, if, if, we're, if there's going to be a give and take, we have to be at least one side of the ball. And they're not right now. I mean, they're like third last in the league in free throw rate. A team with Trey Young is dead last in the NBA in three-point attempt rate. Uh, I'm not like putting that squarely on the shoulders of Trey Young, but – you know, I mean, Murray takes a decent amount of threes. He's hitting them at 36%. I think for him, that's totally fine. Uh, yeah. You know, Hunter's an okay shooter, 36%, four attempts per game. Bogdanovich takes enough. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just a reflection of, of the way that the league is going and, you know, playing with someone like Capella who limits you a little bit offensively. But um, yeah, I, I, I mean, the, the changes in Trey Young's game to me are, are interesting because I, I still think we, in general, he's perceived as like the heir apparent to Steph Curry. And yet he's taking three fewer three-pointers per game than he was three seasons ago. No, he's more like he's more like a combination of James Harden and Allen Iverson, right? I, sure. I think that's kind of who he is as a player. But I don't know. I, I at the same time, like how much how much of this is almost just exclusively Trey Young forgetting how to shoot threes? Like when you go from shooting 38% from three last year on eight attempts, now you're shooting 32%. I mean, is that is that the difference between, you know, like two points a game in theory? Um, and then that would that would that might boost you up like four wins. And then we'd be talking about Atlanta as this like 34 and 28 team or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I think that part of it is interesting, too. You know, I think if they if Trey Young sort of gets his three ball back and they get a new coach who helps them play a little more defense maybe that's enough. I think Trey Young playing off the ball more in theory made a lot of sense, but it just hasn't worked that well. Like 32% of his made threes this year have been assisted. Um, excuse me, 35%. Looking at the wrong number. Last year, that number was 22. You know, a lot of pull-up threes coming off the screens. Like he's not doing that as much. You know, he's, he's really not shooting it well from the corners, which he's not not taking a ton of them. He's not Kyle Korver. Uh, but still not a good sign when someone who was shooting 55% from the corner last year is shooting 35% this year. I, I think that transition to kind of sharing responsibilities with Murray has like, like the counting stats look great. Like Trey Young's averaging 27 and 10. So it's not like it's been a disaster and, and Murray's been totally fine too. But um, I don't know. I, I think it's maybe not quite as seamless of a partnership as the raw numbers would lead you to believe. Yeah. I mean, 
I don't know. I know he wants to control everything and he wants to, he wants to average just 25 and, and 10. Right. But I, I don't know. I, I would imagine it, it could also be fun for him to come like run off screens like Curry. Like that's easier said than done. Right. Like the amount of cardio that that takes and, um, you know, IQ to, to, for certain movements off the ball, but you'd think he would kind of welcome that. I mean, there's going to, there almost be more opportunities for him to score more. And um, again, I'm, I'm also looking at these stats now um, on the, on the Rotowire player pages, we added player stats and wins and losses as well as like home wins, home losses, stuff like that. Um, in Hawks wins, Trey young shoots 38% from three in law in, in Hawks losses. He shoots 27%. Ooh. So it's basically a 10% difference between wins and losses from three from Trey. So I don't want to like say it's that simple, right? Because their defense needs to be better too. And he should play off ball more because I think he has that potential. Maybe coaching can just, maybe it is, maybe it is as simple as we get, we get Quinn Snyder in here. He comes in with a different mentality yeah. and we turn things around. I think you got to try it, right? I mean, this will be their, what, like fourth coach in as many years, uh, you know, assuming he sticks around next year. So I think at that point, like if Quinn Snyder can't solve it, a, a guy who it, you know very recently was considered one of the three to five best coaches in the league, if he can't figure it out, I, I think maybe the next step then is, okay, we need to address this more so in terms of roster. Like, is there a parallel with, with Trey Young and like an NFL team committing to a quarterback, like, I don't know, Kirk Cousins, something like that, where it's like, uh, he's he's good. We could do a lot worse, but like, are, are the Hawks starting to look around and and, and kind of say like we, we might have a ceiling with this guy that's lower than we'd like? It's a I think it's a tougher comparison. I mean, I think you you'd know more on the NFL side, but Trey is such like a high volume guy. You know, I right. I don't know what like Cousins' volume is necessarily, but it'd be like if you gave you know it like a just a really high, like turnover prone, you know, a guy in the NFL who throws a ton of interceptions, but also a ton of touchdowns. Right. And he has those flash moments. I mean, is this like a uh, Jameis Winston? <laughs> That's funny. So you say Jameis. Yeah. It's like Jameis from a few years ago. I mean, maybe the yeah. best comparison for this past season is Justin Fields. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you not that we need, I don't know if we need to force an NFL quarterback comparison. We, maybe let's go team by team and say, which player is most like Trey young on this NFL <laughs> roster. All right, with the trade deadline in the rear view, the back half of the NBA season is upon us. And unfortunately, your fantasy team looks like it might be tanking for Victor Wembanyama. Uh, we got your plan B right here. It's called Swagger. Swagger is daily fantasy for all fankind. Swagger is the most player-friendly DFS site in the game, created for sports fans who simply want some skin in the game and a real shot at winning. Here's how it works. Pick two to 10 player props and score points for the picks you get right. Win a cash prize, Based on your score, not the perfect ticket. I repeat, you don't need a perfect ticket to win. Even if you get one or two or sometimes half of your ticket wrong, you could still walk away with cash in your bankroll. Swagger has payouts up to 50x and sometimes even higher, depending on your picks. With hundreds of props for you to play, you can build any ticket with any number of players across multiple sports. Play NBA props along with NFL, MLB, NHL, all the top soccer leagues, golf, tennis, motorsports, whatever tickles your fancy. Swagger's got it available. Ready to play? Go to playwithswagger.com to sign up and choose promo code ROTOWIRE10. That's ROTOWIRE10, R-O-T-O-W-I-R-E-10. From the dropdown, Swagger will drop a free $10 into your account to get started. Plus, they'll match your first deposit 100% up to 100 bucks. Swagger, it's daily fantasy for all fankind. 
Uh, okay, this is our signal, I think, to, to transfer over to our most interesting teams the rest of the way. Uh, I will let you go first. You have your five. I have my five. I have a couple honorable mentions as well. So if we overlap, uh, I'll dip into those, but I'll let you lead it off. Yeah, this was actually tough. I mean, I I find so many teams so interesting, but I'm just, I'm just going to start things off easily. The LA Clippers, after signing Russ, um, Kawhi's been playing out of his mind. I mean, Kawhi, since he basically became healthy, is shooting almost 50-40-90, looks as good as ever, low turnovers. You know, Paul George continues to do his thing. You hear you hear nothing about Paul George night to night, but then you just look at his season stats and you're like, wow, he's all-star numbers. <laughs> um, and I like what they did at the deadline. You know, I mean, Luke Kennard for Eric Gordon, that's not a crazy swap, but Gordon's just a more dynamic scorer more experience. And I actually really like Plumlee for them because I think it sort of relieves them of not necessarily having a pure point guard. Um, a lot of nice handoff and roll opportunities for Kawhi and Paul George. That should reduce turnovers on the ball, stuff like that. And then obviously adding Russ. Um, it's interesting. I was listening to, I think it was the low post with Om Young Mazouk. And, you know, they were, they were bringing up a point where how, how much of Russ's failures on the Lakers were because the team was so bad and they desperately needed him to do so many things. Now that he's in a different situation on the Clippers where this team is a contender without him, will he be able to just hone in on these specific things he has to do and not necessarily try to come in like a wrecking ball every single game? What are the things that he needs to do, I guess? That's, that's the question to be like, what are the Clippers asking of him in an ideal world? I think they just want him to be aggressive, like really attack pick and roll situations because they don't have too many guys in this roster that are relentless pick and roll attackers, like get to the rim guys uh, who are quick burst. So I think they'd like a situation where they can just have like a quick burst guy get into the lane and kick out um, like a driving kick guy for Paul George and Kawhi Leonard who can sometimes take plays off in the corners. Mm-hmm. They don't have that guy, so maybe you know, maybe Russ is able to do that. I mean, John Wall was in theory, I think, supposed to be that guy, but he's just he's kind of cooked. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, that was that was clear that he was cooked. Unfortunately, I'm a big John Wall guy. I was rooting for that one to work out. Uh, yeah. Was kind of there were some rumors that maybe the Bucks might pick him up uh, on the buyout market, but yeah, I, I think he he might just be done. Unfortunately, I mean, I mean, it's just the injuries have piled up to a point where it's just not really tenable anymore. Um, I, I'm trying to dig up Russ's shooting numbers at the rim. I mean, that I, I, I ideally, yes, you're, you're asking him to just go downhill and attack. And I, I know the, the rim finishing numbers aren't actually as bad this year uh, as I would have thought, but I also watched a ton of Lakers games this year and he's just so out of control. You, you never feel like he's going to finish it. Even if it's wide open if, on a blow by, like the touch is just completely gone and he's never been a high touch player. That's been something that's plagued him throughout his entire career. It's the reason he's, he's no longer a good free throw shooter. It's the reason that he's never been a good three point shooter. Uh, but he, he's just kind of lost it. He's going too fast. He's, he's clearly thinking about things. I, I, I understand that there's a case that this works out. Well, I just think it's more likely that he plays a very similar style to how he did in LA and Washington and Houston at the end of the OKC tenure. And he, he just can't flip it off. Like I, I, I just need to see the case for why now is finally the time that he'll be humbled and accept a, a lesser role because it, it, there's just been no signs that he's willing to do that. Yeah, that's why they're interesting to me. 
Uh, and you you mentioned the Russ shooting numbers. You're right. His numbers at the rim aren't that bad, but it's really the short mid-range that's killing him from outside of four feet, but inside 14 feet. That's sort of like floater, short mid-range jumper range. I think it's, I wonder if that, you know, he likes that bank, that yeah. like left side corner bank. <laughs> um, he's shooting 29% <laughs> this year on short mid-rangers, which is down from, in his prime, he was anywhere between like 35 and 40%. So He's down about 10% on those, which is obviously huge. It's, yeah, it's brutal to watch. Just brutal, brutal to watch. Um, You know, less than five feet. He's shooting about 53%. Uh, You you compare that to someone like John Morant, 60%, SGA, 60%. You know, the the best wings in the league, like LeBron's at at like 73% in that range. So Russ obviously used to be in that category. I mean, he's he's a markedly worse finisher than RJ Barrett, who's who's shooting 57%. (laughs) inside of five feet. So, I mean, he's, he's in like the bottom percentile on that, but, and nonetheless, your point stands, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, you know, as, as someone who somewhat, you know, roots for the Lakers, almost out of pity at this point, I'm just glad that he's off that team because I, I think they'll, they'll be able to take off without him, but it's now super interesting that he's just, you know, across town with the Clippers and we, we just get to see it's the ultimate litmus test, right? Like if the Lakers take off and the Clippers start sinking, there's a common denominator there. I actually think there's a chance they're both better because of this. I yeah, think that's possible. I think, I think that's fair. I think the Lakers will for sure be better. I, I think I, I don't see the Clippers like skyrocketing because of what Russell Westbrook, but it's also totally possible that they just have enough around him that it like he can't hurt them. Right. Yeah. That's that's more so what I mean. Okay. So I have the Clippers on my list as well. I will, I will cross them off. Um, yeah. I'm going to go to the other other conference and other side of the standings. Go with the Orlando Magic, who have quietly been playing pretty well. They've been one of the best defenses in the league heading into the break. Um, you know, it's still not a team that we look at with any real postseason aspirations, although they've pretty clearly separated themselves from the, the true bottom teams in both conferences. Uh, you know, they're, they're much closer to making the play in than they are falling into the bottom three. They're only four games behind Toronto. Uh, I, again, I don't think it happens. You know, I, I think they have 23 games left. So mathematically it's going to be tough, but you know, they've basically been playing 500 basketball for the last month. And they, I think because they have Paolo Bancaro in place and, and to a lesser degree, Franz Wagner, it doesn't seem to me like a team that feels the urgency to like add another superstar piece. Like I, I think they'll, they'll kind of take their chips wherever they get them in the draft. And they also might get the bulls pick. The bulls pick will be huge. You're right though. I mean, they, they've been a 500 team since January. They've been great all year. Um, sort of playing, you know, punching above their weight. I think so to speak, especially if you think Franz Wagner is their best player. Um, I think they've been doing really well in that aspect. Um, have you been, have you been tracking the, the sort of Paulo Bancaro month to month points per game, field goal percentage, just slow creep yes. decline. I have, because I, I wrote up a rookies piece that went on Rotowire yesterday and it's up on Yahoo as well. And yeah, the counting stats have maintained, uh, he's, he's been rock solid basically throughout, you know, from start to finish. But if you just look at his last 20 games, 39% from the field, 24% from three. Uh, and it's funny because, you know, it's, it's kind of him and Ben Matherin for rookie of the year. And it's, it's probably going to be Bancaro, but Matherin has had a very similar decline in his percentages. So right. counting stats still there, but seems to be hitting a wall uh, efficiency wise. Yeah. I think the, I think the rookie wall is coming for him and Matherin. I mean, both of these guys have huge, I mean, they're at being asked to do a ton as rookies, right? I mean, you talk about the NBA schedule being a lot more brutal than college. 
the workload these guys are having. And yeah, I just think they're hitting the rookie wall. So, but I think coming out of the all-star break, this would be a really good opportunity to like buy low on Bancaro or buy low on Mathur or some of these other rookies that have started to uh, creep down. But yeah, I think, I think the magic are really interesting. I mean, I don't even, I'm not sure if you even mentioned Markel Fultz. I did not. Who is quietly turned into just like a very good point guard has like a, a highlight athletic play every single game, whether it's on offense or defense. Um, he looks really good, man. Like I, I guess I, you know, we have to reevaluate what his future is in the NBA, but I think he has real potential now as like a, a reliable sixth man for a good team. He's a good player and he's still super young too. It feels like we've been talking about him forever, but I mean, he was, he's what 24 and a half right now. Uh, like there's still plenty of time to develop, Again, I, I think the days of him ever getting back to the guy that he was at Washington, which, by the way, I'm sure you've seen, like, the the Markel Fultz college mixtape has been making the rounds again this week on Twitter. Oh, I haven't. Well, yeah, I, I saw it last night in a thread, and it was basically whoever tweeted it framed it as, like, look, I totally understand why this guy went number one. And you watch it, and it's like, dude, this is insane. Like, he was so smooth. The jumper looks unbelievable. Uh, like, you, you just forget, like, how rock solid of a prospect he was. Uh, before everything happened with the Sixers. But yeah, no, you're right to point him out. He's been really, really good. I I, I feel like he's kind of, this sucks to say, but he's, he's kind of like the new Lonzo Ball <laughs> in some ways where I, I feel like I love the way that he's pro- he's progressing. He's like embracing his limitations and yet still finding a way to be really effective. I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, we, I think we summed it up pretty well. Yeah, let's go um, to your next team. I mean, this is pretty, I mean, this is pretty chalky, but the Suns, I think, I still think there's a chance that we're going to look back on this trade that they made and say that what the Suns gave up was almost like not enough. Like that the Suns just won the trade by a huge margin and that they're undervalued in the betting market in terms of winning the NBA finals, which I think they're still maybe like four to one um, as I try to quickly pull this up. Um, Yeah, four to one at a lot of different books. Again, we can talk about injury concerns for Durant and Chris Paul, but um, I think there's a chance that this team, assuming they stay healthy throughout the playoffs, that that they just carve through like the Western Conference. And the Western Conference is good, right? They're going to run into Denver at some point, but I think if they got matched up against Memphis, I think they could just like yes annihilate Memphis, and they would. I think they would. I think they would annihilate the Kings. And make them look like they're not even in the same stratosphere. Um, so I'm I'm just interested to see like in the regular season, you know these these Paul Booker, Aiton, Durant minutes. How dominant are they going to be? It's so funny you say that. That is literally the exact reason I have the Suns on my list. Is I want to see what the <laughs> ceiling is. Like how crazy is this going to be? I, I think you're totally right that we might be we might be underestimating like how dominant this team is going to be once they're locked in. Uh, because you know Durant is basically back on the closest thing that we have to a super team now, right? I mean, it's not it's not Golden State 2017, but it's not it's it's a different version of it. I mean, like Devin Booker is is not as good as Steph Curry, but you know that that Golden State team didn't really have anybody like Aiton. Chris Paul is such a unique player at this point in his career. Like I, I think there's a a better chance that this team looks amazing than they have any issues fitting KD in. Like I, I think he's so transferable. I think once everybody's healthy, like they're going to. Uh, they're going to have a two or three week stretch where all of a sudden they're going to be like two to one to win the finals. I, I mean, it's the thing is like sun Celtics sun's bucks. That, that'll be a hell of a series. I don't think they carve up those teams, but I think you're right. If they stay healthy, 
I, I could see them losing like two games on the way to the finals. Like, I, I really think it could be that crazy. It's, it sounds kind of wild to say that about a team that has not played together yet. I, I, I totally get that. But I can tell you, teams are not scared of Denver. They're, like, they're a good team. They're going to be the number one seed in the West. There's a reason that Nikola Jokic went with the second last pick in the All-Star draft. Like, they, there's no respect for the Denver Nuggets. Uh, no, there, there is not. And I like their bench guys have been out for a while too. Like we haven't seen Cameron Payne in a long time, you know, Shamit. I'm relatively low on Shamit, but in this, in this team context, he's good. Tory Craig and, and Josh Koji have been putting stuff together. TJ Warren was a sneaky addition from the trade. They grabbed Terrence Ross at the, at the deadline. Biombo and Landale are both like nice backup center options for them. And they, they grabbed Darius Baisley for an athletic option. Just, because why not? Um, but that's, I think we're on the same page there. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, uh, let's see. So I, like I said, I have Phoenix on my list as well. Um, I'm, I'm going to go to Portland. We'll, we'll go down the Portland. standings again. Okay. I, I just don't know where they go from here. And it, you know, I, I think the intimations, at least from the franchise, are that they are maybe going to stealth tank a little bit and just cross their fingers and say, hey, maybe if we have like the seventh best odds, like we can get lucky just like the Pelicans when they jumped up and got Anthony Davis. Uh, because it feels like this is a franchise that if they're going to win with with Damian Lillard, they need that type of Hail Mary, right? Like I, I don't think picking sixth in this draft and getting an- another like developmental player like Shaden Sharp all of a sudden means you're you're in the mix next year. Uh, they're, they're just kind of backed into a corner. They're, they're going to have some tough decisions to make this offseason their path to contention just isn't really there to me right now. And 
it, it's it's admirable what they've tried to build around Dame and, and him staying there. But I, again, I just there there needs to be something drastic uh, for this team to have any chance to accomplish the the goal that it's setting out for. And I, I just don't know what they do the rest of the way. Like you could tell me that Dame doesn't play the final three weeks of the season with a, a phantom calf injury. You could tell me that he averages like 40 for the next three weeks, trying to will them into the play-in. I, I, they're just like the most rudderless team to me right now. That's not in the bottom four. Do you, do you think Lillard has the potential still to win a title while he is the number one guy on a team? I would argue that I don't know if he ever has. And that more so Fair. speaks to just how good the other number one guys in the league are, because even if he had a really good team around him, it's like it would, it would have to be a team that doesn't have any other superstars basically. Right. It's like, you'd have to have a bunch of like the 10 to 20th best players in the league be the supporting cast, which just isn't realistic because he, you know, the, the league is just so stacked right now that there's like seven teams that they could face in the playoffs, if not more, where he wouldn't even be the best player in the series. Right. Yeah. I think there's a, because you, you, you mentioned maybe you have to do something drastic if that drastic thing isn't getting a player on this team better than Damian Lillard, then I don't know if they're yeah. ever going to have a chance of winning the title. Not that, like, again, it's not title or bust for all of these teams, right? If you're a 50-win team every season, you can make the Western Conference Finals. You can maybe backdoor your way into the NBA Finals, which is something I think the, the Blazers have been trying to do. But I think you have to try to find a way to get a guy. If he's, if you're not getting, uh, getting a guy better than Lillard, which may be impossible yeah. at this point, you have to try to get a guy at least on his level exactly. to play next to him. And I don't think Simons is that guy. Jeremy Grant is absolutely not close to that guy. It's, it's not Zach Levine. No, like you, I, I think you're right. The approach would be the like Paul George, Kawhi Leonard type of pairing. You know, it's like you need to pair yes. him with somebody who he views as an equal and who we collectively view as an equal. You know, like if the Lakers were to like trade Anthony Davis, it's like, okay, that's something you could talk me into. Like, I think there are people that, that would say Dame is a better and, and certainly more dependable player. There are some that would say Anthony Davis is the better player. Like you, it would need to be somebody who's in for like firmly on his level. It can't be, yeah, it can't be Jeremy Grant. It, it can't be even like a Brandon Ingram type of guy. It's like you, you would need that number two to feel like he is shouldering the load 50, 50 with Lillard. So yeah, I, I don't know where they go next, but uh, what, what's your next team? Oh, we keep it simple again. I'm going with the Dallas Mavericks. Okay. Um, you know, I think this is they, – they've built a team that is – it's Kyrie. The thing is that the team structure like, didn't change at all with the Kyrie trade because Dim, Dimwitty was already kind of playing that role. Obviously, Kyrie's just a supercharged version of that role. And <laughs> Dimwitty was playing the role that Brunson was playing before that. So, in a way, the team structure hasn't really changed. They just upgraded. And this is a structure, too, where I think if you're Dallas – you know, defense is going to be their main question, right? They're not going to have any issues scoring. I mean, they've constructed like a, a team surrounded by like three point shooting options and, you know, they got Hardaway and Bullock and those guys are going to be spraying from three Kyrie and, and Doncic are just going to cook. And I think this is great for Doncic actually to have Kyrie because Doncic still clearly gets winded towards the end of games. And um, I think freeing him up, you know, to be able to take some plays off and give a little more effort on defense is going to be big for them. I just wonder what their ceiling is. Like, do they think that they can win the title because they've constructed a team that they believe is similar to like the Cavaliers teams with LeBron, Kyrie, and Kevin Love? Is Chris is Christian Wood their Kevin Love? 
And then it's just a bunch of kind of like subpar, highly specialized role players. And we're just betting on the talent of, of Luca and Kyrie. I mean, I obviously, I mean, I, I like their ceiling way more now that they have Kyrie. Um, and I, I sort of go back and forth, but I, I wouldn't be surprised. It's almost like I wouldn't be surprised if they were bounced in the first round by somebody. And I wouldn't be surprised if we saw them in the Western Conference Finals giving like Denver a run for their money. Yeah, I I think they have the highest ceiling, lowest floor. If you're doing the the gap between those things of any team, I I I don't think they could beat Phoenix necessarily. But I, I also think we we always have to say with Phoenix, it's like all right, you're asking a lot health wise, especially of Durant and Chris Paul to make it through a full playoff. So it, it does kind of feel like something like that needs to happen for for a team like Dallas to have a chance. But we've seen them make the West Finals with less. So I'm I'm not crossing them off. I, I think my my concerns with the Kyrie situation are more about beyond this season. Like I, I think just for this year, if you didn't have to worry about committing to him and, and what it means for your future with Luca, I, I think this is a great win now deal. Like they definitely got better. Um, and we, we have, we've had such a small sample with those two guys together that it, it doesn't really feel like we can get an accurate gauge. Uh, they, I mean, they did lose three in a row before the break, which was a little discouraging. And those guys played together in two of those three games. Uh, but I mean, offensively there, it's going to be nuts down the stretch. So they're going to score a ton of points. Um, I, I think they're, the idea is that they could just outscore teams, right? And you know, play do just enough on defense, um, and kind of expect Kyrie and, and Luca to uh, play close to their potential eighty to ninety percent of the time. Which for Luca, I, I feel like that makes sense. Like it, it just feels like he doesn't have bad games anymore. So I, I think that's fair. Uh, but you know, you, you need Kyrie to really be in like peak Kyrie mode the entire playoffs. Yeah, and I'm I'm interested to see what he has left in in this kind of role. I'm going to throw out the Brooklyn Nets as my third team. Okay. Uh, speaking of Kyrie Irving, and we, we don't have to go too deep on the Nets. I feel like we've talked about them a lot on here or, or on XM. But, it, you know, we, we, we talked on Tuesday about the, the bet that they make the play-in tournament. So it's, it's more about just what is their direction the rest of the year. You know, at first, I when we were writing up notes on the site or, or articles after the trade deadline, I, I kept catching myself referring to the Nets as like the now rebuilding Brooklyn Nets. Right. I don't really know if that's the case. Like they... They have young guys, but I, I also don't feel like this This feels like the traditional total teardown. Uh, you know, McCall Bridges is 26, you know, came into the league a little bit late. Same with Cam Johnson, one of the oldest first-round picks in, in the last decade. He's 26. Um, you know, Ben Simmons, also 26. No idea what, 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 like what he really means for their future, but I think they're going to be a fun team, and I, I think there's some... Yeah, not like revenge factor, I guess, but uh, you, you can already tell like the, the way that people are talking about this team just in the last two weeks, it's like, there's a, like a, a curtain of sadness has like been lifted from the nets. <laughs> well, they're going to be in the playoffs. They are. Right. I mean, they're, they're, I mean, you can look at the standings and tell that they're just going to be in the playoffs, but for, I mean, they're minus 1600 to make the playoffs at DraftKings. Like they're, yeah. they're going to be in there. And yeah, I agree. I just, I, it's kind of interesting to see where they go. You have all these draft picks now um, that aren't yours. I don't know. I think, I think they'll do what they can to sort of extract the most value out of the players that they have, whether that means this works out and we're a 45 win team next year, we're a 50 win team next year, or we make some waves in the playoffs this year. Doesn't necessarily mean winning a first round series, but I guess that's, I, who knows? 
uh, probably not. But you, if you look competitive, and Mikael Bridges is strong down the stretch, you know that boosts his trade value and everything like that. So, I mean, I think given what they gave up, they're in a pretty good spot. The only problem is you, you get a zero from that Ben Simmons Harden swap. Like if they had actually gotten gotten something meaningful <laughs> from the Harden. If you know if Simmons wasn't like a bust at this point, they'd be in a really good spot. But then you can also say, well, had Simmons been really good, would Katie and Kyrie have even demanded trades in the first place? I think it's fair to question that. Yeah, I think if Simmons if Simmons looks like old Simmons, this is a completely different situation. And I, I think everybody's kind of careful about how they talk about this, but it's it's been killing them, right? I mean, he's not only is he a shell of himself, but he's become like a, a glaring negative. Um, he's not really the same guy he was defensively either. Like, I, I don't know where this goes. Like, is, is he in the league three years from now? I have no idea. You could tell me basically anything uh, about how the future of Ben Simmons NBA career is going to go. Uh, last thing on the nets, you mentioned that, that playoff bet. I feel like there's some pretty serious value here on the no at eight <laughs> to one. Like it, if I think they're going to be in the play-in, I like with this roster, is, is it not a 50, 50 to emerge from the play-in? If you're in there with, let's say Miami, Atlanta, and Toronto. Hmm. We're assuming that this bet means you have to be in the eight team field to be clear. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure that just means you finish like, like you're saying you, you sort of like finish uh, whether you, whether you are in the play in or not, you are. Uh, oh, oh, okay. So it's just, to, it's to be in the play in or the playoffs. No, no, no. It's just, if you make the play in, you have to win through to get to the yeah. playoffs. Yeah. That's yeah, what yeah. I'm saying. Like, I think there's value on the no here. It's like, I think the nets will be in the play in and okay. I think it's, like if they're playing those teams that I mentioned, like I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say they have like a great chance to beat all those teams. Hey man, maybe you, uh, you parlay nets to miss the playoffs with thunder to make the playoffs at, at plus four fifty and <laughs> throw it, throw in Mike Brown coach of the year on Mike, top of that. I mean, I got to see if I could parlay it. I doubt I can, but the, the nets to make the play in, but then not make the playoffs. <laughs> and, I cannot parlay them. Okay. Well, once again, the the book the book is on to me. They are. Um, okay. Let's let's go back to you for your for your fourth interesting team. Yeah, they must have saw it was your your account's been flagged probably. <laughs> uh, the uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves. I think. I mean, this team has looked good lately. They're up to thirty one and thirty, and they're going to get Carl Anthony Towns back sometime in March, mid to late March. I think we talked last time on the pod, you know, how many games does he actually play when he's fully healthy before the playoffs? Probably not too many. I mean, it could be like five. But, you know, I looked up their lineup uh, the other day. You know, Con- I think Conley's been there for, what, three games so far? And I was I was curious about what are their, what do they look like so far with Conley, Anthony Edwards, and Rudy Gobert on the floor. And I think they were plus eight as I'm trying to pull this up on cleaning the glass and the website website is moving so slow. Um, I think once they get Towns back, they're, I mean, depending on what their seeding is, again, if they end up against a team like Sacramento, maybe they end up against Memphis again. That's kind of turning into a rivalry. I don't know. I, it, I think this team has the upside for a second round berth given how they've been playing lately and the fact that they're, they're going to get towns back. They're getting towns back at some point. I, I, I put them on my, my like others receiving votes list just because that, that's such an unknown to me. 
And it's been so long that it, it feels like there might be like a reintroduction period once he gets back. I think there will be, but I'm going to trust, to some extent, I'm going to trust Mike Conley to almost like help them figure that out, if that makes sense. And I think having less pressure on Towns is a good thing because we saw what happened to him when he had pressure last year. He turned into like, he turned into a pumpkin. He had some of the weirdest like plays I've ever seen in basketball happen. Like he just, I think the less pressure, the better. And I got these numbers up, by the way. Conley, Edwards, Gobert on the floor together. It's 134 possessions. They are plus nine per 100. So a plus nine point differential. That's really nice. You're adding towns to that mix. Again, I their bench is, their bench has proven to be good. The Kyle Anderson's look good for them. McDaniels gives them interesting looks. Austin Rivers has played well when he needs to. Noel. Um, so I don't, I don't, I wouldn't be surprised if this team, you know, again, it's going to be somewhat contingent on them matching up against maybe Sacramento or Memphis. Hmm. Like I think there's a strong chance they they might be able to get to the second round. And then what? I mean, we were all talking about how this trade is horrible. And then if this is their new outlook, then are we going to have to re... I mean, I still don't think the Gobert trade is quote-unquote good, but we can maybe at least reevaluate and say, well, if their goal was to maybe be a, a high 40s win team or win 50 and get to the second round, and then to some extent they're going to achieve their goal potentially. They have 21 games left. Uh, they're 31 and 30 right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, I think they've had to readjust their goals on the fly a little bit. Right now, yeah, making making the second round, I think, would be huge. That that would feel like salvaging a season that felt like it was kind of on the on the verge of being off the rails a couple months ago. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, the, the big thing is if Town comes Towns comes back and all of a sudden they start playing at a, a much better pace, I think you can have some reason for optimism next season and look despite making what might be a really bad trade like you still have Gobert, Towns, Edwards like it's not like you exhausted all your assets and you have like one guy and the rest of your team is terrible like they the future might be bleak draft picks wise but you at you at least have methods to recoup those picks if, if you need to like if this completely blows up there's always the Towns trade to be out there uh, like obviously I don't think they would do this but you could put Edwards on the table like I don't like for, for as, as doom and gloom as we talk about with that trade like they're they could be in a better spot, but they're they're not in the worst spot overall as a franchise. I agree. Who's your last team? My last team is the LA Lakers, and Mine too. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, okay. In, in that case, we'll we'll save the Lakers for you. I'll I'll pivot to my my uh, other honorable mention, the Oklahoma City Thunder. I mean, like, we keep beating around the bush. We we mention them in conjunction with other teams. Uh, it's it's just been a really interesting season because I, I think we had them earmarked to tank all year. We were waiting on it, and. Honestly, it feels like to me the Jazz are going to be the team that ends up pulling back, and you know they already sold off some assets. I wouldn't be shocked if, if players start resting down the stretch. You've been beating the drum the last couple of weeks for making that bet that OKC makes the playoffs. I I don't know if I'll go that far, but I also don't think that they're going to intentionally miss the playoffs. And it's been a while since they haven't been in that mode. Yeah, that bet is plus four fifty for them to make the playoffs. Um... They have the third best point differential since January. I mean, they're just good. And um, I, 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 I think we all want SGA to get into the playoffs. Show us what he can do as a number one option. I'd love to see, you know, how teams start game planning against this Thunder team that, you know, like how, how much are they getting away with because it's the regular season and they try harder than everybody else. I think they're, they're kind of one of those teams now. But I also think those that's how they've been drafting. They've just been drafting these high IQ guys 
who <laughs> try their asses off every single game. And Mark Dagnall is not afraid to just pull guys when they don't have it. And so they come with this crazy energy every single game. And I'm curious to see how that fares in the playoffs. Yeah, I was writing that rookies piece earlier this week, and I, I'm still kind of deciding what my answer is, but how high does Jalen Williams go in a redraft? Uh, is he top five? I think he is. I think he is. I'm trying to look up right now. I mean, you have, well, Holmgren, you know, Holmgren hasn't played. Yeah. Um, I'm still pretty high on Holmgren for the record. So like if, if you want to say that he's still like the number would, two or three guy, I'm kind of on board with that. Would you, would you take him over Jabari Smith? Is that the guy? Uh, is that sort of like the, the, is that like the Mendoza line? Yeah. Maybe, maybe the better way to frame this is like, who would you rather? All right. So would you take Jalen Williams or Jabari Smith? To me, that's really tough, but Williams has been like way better, way, way better for just basing it off of this year. He has been significantly better. So I'll say Williams there. Uh, I think you could ask the same question about Murray, Ivy, and Matherin. Yes, I think I think I'd rather have Matherin. I think, I think so too. I think the scoring upside's been pretty nuts. The scoring upside's nuts. Like I was actually, uh, this is the kind of these rabbit holes you go down during the All Star break. I was looking at his numbers, his passing numbers without Halliburton, McConnell, or Nemhard on the court. Because I was oh, like, sure. how much of this is? I was like, how much of this is Matherin can't pass? And how much of this is every time Matherin's on the court, there's some other dude on the court who Rick Carlisle is like, hey, man, you run the offense. And then Matherin, Matherin's only job is to microwave score. And he averaged like five assists per 36 minutes in those situations with all those three guys off the court. So I think this is less so like Matherin can't pass and more so he's just not asked to. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Jalen Williams is definitely in that. He's in with Murray and, and he's and he's in with Ivy because he, he is contributing to a legit 500 team competitive team where he is effectively what the third option and Jabari Smith is effectively the third option on the Rockets and they suck. They're horrible. Um, so I think some of that has to come into play too. It's like putting the guy's role in context along with how good the team is. Yeah. I think Murray versus Williams is interesting. Ivy versus Williams is interesting and Smith versus Williams is interesting. I, I do think all those teams would keep their guy, but I also think OKC is included in that. I think they, they wouldn't yeah. trade Williams for any of those dudes. No, I don't think so. I'm I'm starting to get really worried about Jabari Smith, man. I, I mean, some yeah. guys have bad shooting seasons. Like, there's plenty of instances where you go back to guys' rookie years. J.R. Smith's rookie year is, like, an abomination to look at percentages-wise. Kemba had some really bad shooting yeah. years. Mellow. Like, it's tough when you... To Mello, it's tough when you come in as a shooter and you just, yeah. he's just not aggressive and he's just not hitting his threes. And it's, um, you know, he shot 17% from three in January, the whole month, 17%. He's, he's been, I, he's the worst part is he's been like super consistently bad. Like there's been, <laughs> yes, that was exactly. something I pointed out. That's something I pointed out in the articles. Like there haven't even been, there haven't even been like any highs. It's like he has one 25 point game all year. He has four 20 point games in like the last 40 games or something like it's just it's it, like at least with keegan murray who hasn't been great either at least every now and then he'll have like an eight three-pointer game and he'll go for 30 but yeah maybe he'll have five or six points the next two games but at least you're seeing the peaks right yeah smith is in that category where it's like grab any 10 game stretch out of the game logs and it looks bad right uh, I, I don't know the, the one defense i'll offer of him is i do think the situation in houston is like really bad 
I probably the worst, worst situation in the league. So I, I don't know. I, I, I give him the benefit of the doubt. It's like, am I going to make a point to draft him in fantasy next year? No, but I, I'm not ready to quite write him off. I, I like, I wouldn't be surprised if he turns into a pretty nice player eventually, but yeah, it's been a disaster. No, no two ways about that. Um, okay. So for OKC, like, what do you, what do you find most interesting about them? Is it just that this team has a legit chance to make the playoffs? It's like, how could they look next year? Are they going to try to sign people? Are they going to, what's your thought? Next year is going to be really interesting because obviously right. you're, you're getting Holmgren back. Uh, and I'm, I'm still pretty high in him. I, I it, it's, a long time ago now, but you forget how like amazing he looked in, was it summer league? I think it had to be summer league. Right. Or I don't think he played yeah. in the preseason. Cause I think he, it, didn't he get injured in like that pro-am didn't like LeBron barrel into him or something. I, I don't know. That was, <laughs> that was so long ago. Uh, but no, I, I think they're going to be really fun. I mean, they're, it's like the, the question is, did they start acting like a normal team and like go and sign like random veterans? Because that's right. the one thing they haven't done is they haven't, and they've done a good job of kind of internally developing, guys you know like bringing in like isaiah joe dudes like that but do they go and get like their version of like a josh hart type of signing that would be interesting i mean part of the the, their issue too is how many guys want to play in oklahoma city and i think that's what sort of led them down this path in the first place is we're just going to draft guys and hopefully they'll be guys here right (laughs) i mean pretty much um and hope you hit on like a kenrich williams who for some reason is like i want to be a lifer like nick collison but I think, yeah, maybe they'll, maybe they grab some veterans. I, I don't know, you know, the specific names off the top of my head. I don't have, but I think they'll start trying to operate like one of those teams because they're, mm-hmm. regardless of what the, what happens this year, they're going to get another good player, a multiple, you know, they got multiple draft picks, obviously. Um, they might package and move up. So yeah, I think um, they're just in a really good spot right now. Yeah. I think the thing we forget with those picks is obviously they can make them, but they can trump just about any offer. So like, I don't know if Carl Anthony Towns hits the market. It's like, that's another situation where it's like, yeah, maybe he wouldn't want to sign there in free agency, but if you trade for him, he doesn't have a choice. That's where he's playing. So I, I think they're, they're maybe waiting to cash those in on somebody as opposed to just kind of continue burning these first round picks where at some point you can't develop like eight guys at once. Uh, so yeah, I'd be, I, I'd just be interested to see how long they keep that powder dry, I guess. And whether this off season is maybe the time to start cashing those in. Uh, let's go to your final team. Uh, the Lakers. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I, we said this before. I really like what they did at the deadline. I think, I think upgrading from Westbrook to Russell is huge. That that game they played against the Pelicans before the break, the Russell Anthony Davis connection was awesome. I think that looked really good. I think that's going to be huge. Um, and I like Vanderbilt and, and Beasley as role guys and. Again, Hachimura is a, a rotation player. I mean, like, Lonnie Walker doesn't even play anymore. I mean, that tells you something, right? Like, they went from playing Lonnie Walker like 35 minutes a game. Now he's basically out of the rotation. Like, that's the sort of upgrades they've made at this yeah. point. Um, I tried to look up the numbers. LeBron, Russell, and, and AD have only played 32 possessions together so far because LeBron keeps missing games. But point differential of plus 16 in those 32 um, possessions, which is obviously incredible not sustainable, but um, I think, I think more than anything, even we can just, if you want to throw out this year, that's fine. Like if you want to be like, they're cooked, it's over, whatever. They're too far down the standings. LeBron's foot's messed up. That's fine. But I think just the flexibility that they have now for next year is awesome. Like they, they can look, they can evaluate this roster and say, 
maybe this is good enough for us to just re-sign all these guys, bring them all back, and this is a good yep. team. Or we can dump all these guys and look to someone who might be a free agent and try to get a third guy in and, and sort of redo the big three situation. So I just love the flexibility they have going forward. And I think a lot of this is contingent on LeBron staying healthy, but I think they're going to win some games here. Yeah, they are uniquely positioned for next year, which is something that I don't think was really talked about all that much at the deadline. Like, obviously, it's it's championship or bust with LeBron, but, you know, you also have him under contract next year, which, you know, in, in past years, he hasn't been willing to make those kind of commitments. And look, at, at some point, he's going to fall off, but I, I still think, you know, based on what we've seen this year, when healthy, he is a borderline top five guy. Like, he's still got that kind of upside. And, you know, you got Davis under contract through, through 24, 25 with the player option. Uh, nobody on this team really is under contract next year outside of Bamba and Vanderbilt. And those are very palatable numbers. You could move Bamba uh, if you need to, he's at like 10 million, like literally everybody else. It could be, could be gone. Like Malik Beasley has a team option, which is super valuable. Uh, you know, most guys don't have those. Uh, they, they could do a qualifying offer on Rui. Um, so you're right. I mean, even, even if, and when this season fizzles out for as much as we've kind of dumped on the Lakers the last few years, like they, they did a pretty good job of at least lining themselves up for another swing this summer. I think so. Yeah. So again, I, I feel like I'm not, I'm not someone who has like this Lakers bias. I actually, I genuinely like what they did. <laughs> like, um, yeah. I think they're in a good spot. The question is who do they go get? You know, I, I, I don't know who's really out there. Um, I'm trying to look Man. up a list right now. LaMarcus Aldridge just popped up. I don't know if he's the answer. Oh, did you see? Oh my God. Did you see that list that, um, what was yes. tweeted out about like guys? <laughs> I feel like I have to list this off. So it was for so arbitrary. Who, for people who didn't see the Woj tweet, he tweeted with approximately one third of NBA teams still with an available roster spot. The remaining free agents include Serge Ibaka, John Wall. At this point, I was like, okay, Lamarcus Aldridge, Will Barton, Stanley Johnson, Wayne Ellington, Tyler Johnson. Sterling Brown, Hassan Whiteside, David Nawaba, and Michael Carter Williams. Like, Oof. I actually, if I was John Wall's agent, I would be furious that his name was included with Lamarcus Aldridge and Michael Carter Williams on this list. Like, if your name is on this list, you're 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 done. Like, oh, my God, I was I was shocked that like Trevor Ariza wasn't on there. Uh, <laughs> Le Leandro right. Barbosa. It's like, where do we, where are we drawing the line here? Like, is it, is it just anybody who like conceivably could play basketball? Carlos Arroyo. What happened to Will Bart? I don't know, man. We talked about this at the beginning of the year when like all of a sudden he wasn't getting any minutes. Like he was a very good player last year. I, I don't know. And like, there doesn't even seem to be that much buyout interest. My, I mean, my theory was just that Jokic, Jokic made his career. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think that's entirely fair, eh. but I think just, I, I don't know. I mean, some guys just have that fall off, right? Like physically for whatever reason. Yeah. One year it just hits them, but he was being outplayed by Jordan Goodwin consistently all year. And they, they dumped him and signed Goodwin. There was another list going around, by the way, that included Terrence Jones in, in possible oh, free agents. Oh. So like, again, where are we drawing the line? Like is OJ Mayo is a free agent. Can we, can we go give somebody, get him some pub, like right. just kind of a reminder that he's out there. Um, all right. Anyway, we got to wrap this up. I got to go get my haircut. I'm going to be late and then I'm going to have to explain that. No, no, no. We were talking about whether LaMarcus Aldridge will get signed. Yeah. You, you, have, you have to understand. Uh, but you'll be back on Friday with Ken and Shannon, we think. Uh, uh, is, is Shannon confirmed? Shannon is out due to a family vacation. So um, have fun, Shannon. But he'll be Ken and possibly Mike Barner. He's questionable. Hey, load managing uh, the pod yeah. on a Friday. I guess he did it last week. Man, Shannon was in Vegas. 
this past week, and now he's on a family vacation. That oh, when when does the guy work? Does he? <laughs> All right, man. Uh, yeah, have fun on the pod tomorrow, and you and I will be back next week. Uh, very much looking forward to the NBA being back. Go check out our NBA futures at the All Star Break article that went up on RotoWire this week. Uh, you and I, uh, and then our, our guy was was it Cameron who put in some futures? Uh, I think it was Michael. Michael, yeah. Michael Gillow put in some futures as well. Uh, a lot of those just kind of coming from bets that we identified as as value. Uh, so make sure you give that a read and give the pod a listen on Friday. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.